through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The LOLs, the moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. John Gray is back. I told you it would be. You have to be living under a rock not to know his best-selling book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And John was here last month, and we were talking about starting over after a breakup and the difference between how men and women cope. And it was so interesting that I asked John to do another show, not just for single people, but for everybody, because we have such a high divorce rate that something is wrong with the way we're approaching marriage. Wouldn't you agree? I agree, mm -hmm. completely. What's happened is times have changed. We've moved into a whole new society. Our expectations are changed. We're no longer modeling our relationships after our parents, but it's what we see in the movies. It's what we see in TV. Our expectations have dramatically changed. This isn't wrong. They've actually gone to a higher level, but TV and the movies Why don't... Why if they're going to a higher level, is the divorce rate higher Because then? they don't teach us how to get there. When I see two people fall in love in the movies, and let's say I'm married, I'm not feeling that love from my wife, I go, I want that. Mm -hmm. That feels real to me. Uh -huh. It tingles in my body. I go, I want that, but how do I get it? and I try to do what they do and it doesn't work. Nobody's taught us. We have to be re-educated on how to have relationships. See, the reason we don't have education on relationships is because normally you grow up in your family, you watch your parents have a relationship and you, you learn 19 years of training how to have a relationship like your parents. That doesn't hold, hold anymore. Suddenly, if we do the things our parents did, how many of us saw our parents creating romance every week? For example, my wife and I, one of the things we do to create romance, we want romance, Every, every month, we take one day, we go away from the kids, away from work, away from family, and it's basically gourmet romance. I serve my wife. I cook the whole meal. I take her to a restaurant. We go somewhere. She, see, women can't continue to be sexually responsive and romantic if they feel they're always taking care of kids. They're always taking care of duty. Women have the breasts. Their life is sucked out of them. They're being pulled all the time, pulled all the time, pulled all the time. Men don't have that. We just go sit in our easy chair and forget their problems. Women can't do that. Women can't forget. What we men have to do if we want romance to thrive, we have to take her out of that circumstance where she's feeling responsible, responsible, responsible. Take her away and romance her. And how many men have been taught how to do that? We're not taught how to do that. Our attitude is if you love someone, it's just supposed to work. Now, the truth is, and most people aren't even aware of this, Hollywood has rewritten history. Yeah. Never has romance been a part of marriage. Nowhere in history has romance been a part of marriage. We think of Romeo and Juliet. The only reason that's romantic is they both died, died. before they got married. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right on, John. That's right. That's but true. romance is possible. We can keep the passion alive. You get about three years of automatic hormones when you meet someone. Three years, the hormones flow. If you don't have romantic skills and communication skills that will nurture the woman's hormones, that will nurture the man's hormones, then they go into a state of latency. 
okay. then you see another person, and boom, they're off again. Do you all relate what he's talking about? You all married here? Married? Everybody in the front row? Yes? Um, my husband is the selective hearing husband. I've been married for eight years, dated for 10 years before we got married. We've gone through two of your books now, and we always say to ourselves, okay, what would John tell us to do in this situation? And we try to think it through, but it still ends up, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking. He's thinking about the trees, the flowers, something else. And all of a sudden, I'll say something that sparks his interest, and he'll say, what did you say? What did you say? What did you say? <laughs> and then I'll have to go through the whole thing again. I, that selective hearing, I need for him to listen to me when I'm talking. We have such a short amount of time together. We have three children, small amount of time to talk. Listen, I have something important to say. That is the number one thing. Now, one thing is reading my books, watching the videos, men learning to listen. The other ingredient is the fuel that allows a man to listen. Have you ever seen a guy dating a woman in a restaurant not able to listen to her if he's expecting sex that night? <laughs> you can tell who are the couples who aren't married. The guy who's expecting sex that night, he's glued on her. No matter what she says, he's right there. Yeah, tell me more, Oprah. Tell me more, Oprah. And tell me more. He's like right there because there's the ex expectation of that connection. Something happens. It breaks down when you have kids. Now, what we have to do if we don't want that breakdown to happen is we have to compensate for it. And the woman is just as important as this as the man. Men have to learn skills for communicating. But it's not enough just to listen, because what you're saying is there he is. He's read my books. He's trying to listen. There's no juice. Right. You're not feeling that he's right there. And right. the only thing a woman can say is, I don't feel you understand. And then he gets really frustrated. What do you mean I don't understand? I can tell you what you just said. Okay? She doesn't feel connected. What's missing? What's missing is that passionate connection that he used to have when you would talk. And suddenly it's broken. Because he used to listen, right? Yes. He did. Used <laughs> he to used listen. to listen to what I had to say. Yeah. When you were dating, when he was courting you, right. when you were in the... That three-year window. In that three-year, During yes. that three-year window. That three-year window yeah. was, you know, 18 years ago. So and it's that was been a long a, time It's ago. been a long time. Right. So I think what you're saying here, what you're saying here is key about the three-year window because we have been fed a whole bill of goods, really, in believing that the romance is going to last forever. And it's going to be automatic. Yeah, and it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It can be created again and again. You know, the first time my wife touched my thigh, every cell in my body came alive, fireworks. <laughs> Right? That's what happens to every man. 18 years later, well, did you want something? <laughs> it's not going to happen. You can't have that passionate response. You're too familiar. You're in a relationship. You know the person. But what you can do, and this is what the possibility exists, you can create a romantic getaway. You can maybe go shopping a little bit during the day. Why is shopping important? Women love to shop. Women's shopping is an opportunity for her to start thinking about herself. Even if she doesn't buy anything, that's what men you have to know. Women don't even have to buy things. They can just look, try it on. She's thinking about herself. Then you feed her. She's always feeding everybody else. You feed her. Brings her back to her sense of self. What's happening is you're bringing her back. She's connecting with those hormones, which she felt in the beginning, where she felt special. She felt taken care of. See, that's what all the dating rituals are about. Dating rituals, somebody could look at it and say, they're sexist. The man's supposed to do this, the woman's supposed to do that. If you want passion to last, you've got to know there's roles to play. Like, if, you know, when we go on a date, my wife, if I'm not opening the car door for her, she's very clever. She wraps her arm around me, and she just walks into the car. She just keeps me wrapped to her as we go to the car door. And I go, oh, I guess I'm opening the car door tonight, you know? And I open the door, and she goes, oh, thank you. And I go, oh, okay. <laughs> Whenever you walk into a door, you know, slow down. So he gets there first. He opens the door. He goes, oh, thank you. He goes, oh, yeah, I like that feeling. 
And a lot of people can object to this. They go, wait a second, you know, these roles, you have to have the man taking care of the woman, the woman feeling appreciative of a man. That's what sparks those romantic hormones. These are feelings. This is not just some hypothetical thing. This is the polarity of man and woman. And today, with men and women working side by side, women doing things men do, men doing things women do, how do we find those, those hormonal polarities again? Dating and romance. Even you're married, you have to keep dating. What did you want to say? Well, I wanted to know, when you become an enlightened male, when you read Men Are From Mars, when you read other books, and you're the guy that women call at 2 o'clock in the morning, talk to for two hours, and you listen to them, you want to hear, and what are they telling you? About the guy they're going out with, how bad he treats them, how he never listens to them. You don't get a look, but this guy gets all the dates. Right, very common. There's a lot of angry, sensitive guys because they're not getting laid. <laughs> you know, it was right. You know what I'm talking about. It was about 20 years ago, these sensitive guys started figuring out what is it that women want, and they go way overboard, and they give to women, and suddenly they're not, they're not getting in relationships, and they're confused. And it's been the call of women in the last 20 years. Woman seeking sensitive man, and once she gets him, she rejects him. Why does she? Part of what's missing is in, in the... And the beautiful desire, the loving nature inside of this man, he wants to move to his female side. To a certain extent, he neglects aspects of his masculine side. There's a masculine energy and there's a feminine energy. The masculine energy is, it's, it says sometimes I need to be alone. It says I need my independence. It says I've got to pull away. Women need that energy from a man that he's not just coming right to her. It's like you're giving too much. When sensitive men give too much, well, like I... What, what happened is a woman feels like she has to give back to you. So you're overgiving. You don't want to overgive to a woman. And it's complicated. You have to give the right amount. And the same thing women have to learn, not to overgive. Know? It's hard. So the secret is, what I find most often with sensitive men is when they have conversations, they're very talkative with women, but then they start being very talkative. One rule of thumb is never talk more than the woman. <laughs> Another rule of thumb, never show sensitive feelings more than the woman. Now, this is hard. Because a sensitive man will have more sensitive feelings. Personally, the reason I understand women so much, I'm a sensitive man. I am more sensitive at times than my wife. And when I went through this transformation about 15 years ago, I had to realize that, John, you're a sensitive, caring, loving man. But if you want to create that polarity, you've got to let her be the woman and you can't be the woman. So what I had to do was go against all my psychological training. And when my feelings would come up, I had to hold them back. You have to hold them back and start taking care of them yourself instead of going to the woman. See, a woman, another rule of thumb, if you're a sensitive guy, never need the woman more than she needs you. It's got to be a balance. She needs to feel that she's getting from you what she's giving to you. So you have to be more careful because you're the man who tends to be giving and giving and giving. Does that mean they need to sense that they have to fix us in some way? They need to sense that you're not going overboard to please them. You're not giving up who you, who you are to please them. See, women instinctively do that anyway. They... They give up way of who they are. And if they're with a man who's doing the same thing, they go, this is not going anywhere that I want to go. There's sort of a safety rod when but a man that, is not overgiving. But women say the opposite. They say, women I know always, they say the opposite. They say they want a sensitive guy. They want somebody who's going to go overboard for them, who's going to be there for them, who's going to listen to them, and all of the things that he's just described. Right. And if you overgive, I've interviewed again and again these women. They say to me things like, gee, I was really turned on to him in the beginning, but now I feel like he's got a lot of problems. You know? <laughs> he's so sensitive. I feel like I have to walk on eggshells around him. Or I feel obligated to give back to him. I feel like I have to give to him. So many times a man will come on really strong. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this to you. Do this for you. 
it'll cause a woman to terrify. She'll go, you don't even know me. How could you love me this much? How could you give so much? You, you know, you're in some fantasy world. Hold on, let's go slower with this. So my advice to sensitive men is go slower, be less needy. Look inside yourself to where you feel you're needing and start looking at getting your needs met, spending time with other men. There's a lot of male energy comes by just being with the guys. I suggest this is basic therapy for any man in a marriage. You need your special romantic time with your wife, domestic time with your wife, and you need to have separate time alone and separate time with the guys. Women, what you need to tell your husband if he's getting moody or irritable, say, go spend, go, go, go spend the evening with your guys. Go, do, go to a basketball game. Go to a movie that I don't want to see. It's very important to get them away because when men pull away, then they feel back in their masculinity. Then they miss you. See, this is the irony. Men grow in love when they're away from you. You know the old saying, distance makes the heart grow fonder? That's particularly true of men. Now, you relate to it, women. Imagine 10 times more for men. When he's away, he's with the guys, then he comes back and goes, oh, I've been missing her. Oh, she looks really good. He's got to get away. There needs to be time apart occasionally. Very important element in relationships. Marty, your question. Yes, Oprah, thank you. John, you, you've simplified it now. I guess I have to be the Tarzan type, the psychologist, the sociologist, the caring guy, the tough guy to go out and protect her. So when I look to get married in the future, that's all I have to do? <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Nicely said, nicely said. My big message is you don't have to be perfect to make a relationship work. And really what, what I'm saying to the sensitive man is don't try too hard. Just take time. Instead of trying to do a lot for your partner, take time to understand your partner. And you know, people say to me, is it hard to live up to this image? Ask my wife, it's not hard for me at all. I do everything wrong that I say men do. And I say, that's because I'm from Mars. I take my time in the cave. I take time where it's like I'm watching TV. I'm ignoring my family completely. She goes, he's in his cave. He'll be back. And guess what? I come back and I'm attentive and I listen and so forth. I don't try to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect, but you have to be yourself. And your partner has to know that who you are is okay. Otherwise, women try to change men. Otherwise, men think something's wrong with women. You know, a woman's sharing about her day, complaining. He goes, why is she doing this? Why is she, you know, getting on my case? She's not. She's just sharing. Um, I'm a self-sufficient woman. I take care of myself. Are you saying that I should be more needy in order to attract a man who is more sensitive? I mean, what do you say? What kind of men do you attract? <sighs> men who don't want to commit. Men who um, are... Don't want to commit to what? Want to commit to a relationship. All right, have you noticed that men will be involved with you and then they'll leave you and they'll go commit with somebody else? I hear that a lot. But, no. Okay, so you're just They're really attracting these guys that yeah. are not ready to be involved. Right. Okay. So you, when you say commit, do you mean you want somebody to marry? That would be nice. <laughs> no, but, yes. but what do you mean? When you say relationship, um, do you mean... I would uh, like to be married. I've been divorced for about 13 years. Mm. And I've, I, one of the things I say is that I became the man I wanted my husband to be. Mm -hmm. I'm very self-sufficient. I'm career career person. Now, I would, to put in simple terms, I'd call that the opposite of the sensitive man, the strong woman. She's on her Martian side. She's on her masculine side. It's very hard for men to feel that they can do something for you because you're so strong. And all those tender feelings are coming up right now, aren't they? Because you're not so strong. There's all these lonely moments that you have, and nobody knows the tender woman inside of you, and you just want a man to come and hold you and hug you. Come here, come here. No! Come here. No! Come here. Come here. Let me hold you. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. I'm Let making me give a fool of 
<laughs> no, you're not. You're a strong woman. Let me give you a hug. Okay. <laughs> Now, right now, affirming for all the strong women. Yeah, you're shaking yourself back to another person. But there's a tender soul inside of there. There's the female. There's nothing wrong with your strong masculine side. You had your soul's journey. You've been hurt. You had to prove to yourself that you could take care of yourself so you don't have to depend upon a man. And you've proven that now. You've done now that. that you know, you've done, you've that. done that. Bravo, you did that. You did that. Let's give her a hand. You did that. You can now. Now that you're, you're safe now. So now okay. you can open up and need a man. Even if he leaves you, you know you can take care of yourself. So now you can honor the part of you that says, I want a man in my life. You tell me that. <laughs> I want a man. I want a man in my life. I want compliments. I want compliments. I want tenderness. I want tenderness. I want hugs. I want hugs. I want romance. Romance. I want somebody to talk to at the end of the day. I want someone to talk to at the end of the day. You know, it's like the, the thing of it is, is that I, I'm, because I'm a career woman, I'll create projects to be in a relationship to get married. So I'll invite my girlfriends into a relationship project. And, you know, it's like, we know what to do. We know to go places to meet men who are attractive. Uh, and the thing of it is, is that I have a long list of girlfriends who have wonderful marriages out of my desire to be in a relationship. And I can't seem to get it straight. So you're doing so beautifully now. You're being honest to that part of you. It's just I'm on television. <laughs> yeah, Oprah has something to say no, to you no, now. No, no, I'm just gonna wipe her tears. Wipe her tears. <laughs> now, Oprah, you can relate Thank to you, that. Oprah. You're a strong woman. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. I... <laughs> How many women can relate to her? Raise your hands if you relate to her. See, this is the dilemma of women in the 90s. You know, our society is conditioning and pressuring women to be like men. But I have a man who wants me to be as strong as I can be. That's, a, I mean, I, I, there are a lot of women who don't have that. There are a lot of men who are threatened by strong women. Yes, they are. I'm very blessed. I have a man who says, keep doing it. Yes. Keep doing it. Yes. Yeah. And there's another part of you, Oprah, which is very feminine. And that's what, that balance. That's all it takes. There's nothing wrong with a woman being very high-powered, very strong, Oprah Winfrey, but there has to be a balance. There has to be a softness. Yeah. There has to be a warmth, and you have that. We all know you have that. She has that. We all know you have that, but you hide it. You yeah. hide it from yourself. Hide it well. <laughs> you hide it from yourself. And so what you have to do, your project, is to be in a group of women, and you share this part of you with women. It just has to come out where you feel natural, being vulnerable, feeling I need so someone. So you don't feel comfortable being vulnerable, right? Because you didn't even want to get a hug. See, I'm, well, I'm vulnerable every day. Yes, you are. I miss vulnerability, that's but right. yes. And so that's yes. what you're saying. Yes, that vulnerability. She has to be able to feel the pain. Mm. It's like dying almost. I mean, it's like I, it's, I don't know who that other woman would be if I really allowed myself to be with men in a way that um, I was at risk with them and just let them really in. Mm. To, to if I let a man in, would he really love me, right? Because you have no examples of a woman being feminine and having a man adore you and love you and be there for you. 
Was your dad was gone? No, no, no. My dad, my mom and dad have, they've been married for over 50 years. Mm. And it's, so a, it's, great, it's a great marriage, right? Yeah, yeah so Right. It's like I can't figure it out. And one of the things, I came to Oprah's show for the, um, the 2000 when mm -hmm. you made declarations, and I said, I'm going to be married. I'm going to get beyond whatever this is. And so when I heard that John was coming, I said, I coach so many other women in how to do this. Just because it's natural, I'm going to come in and actually get through this. So this is how you get a man. Close your eyes. And I'm going to send a man to you. <laughs> uh, is it, who you are right now is so attractive. How many men feel an attraction towards her just when she's sharing? Raise your hand. Just, you, it's vulnerability. It's vulnerability. Men are drawn to it. Not that you have to be vulnerable all the time. It's just that you're being honest to yourself about that. And I want you to just do a little prayer. Close your eyes. And out loud, I want you to speak to God. Do you believe in God? Yes. Jesus? Or just God? I have Whatever. to be Buddhist. All right, Buddhist. Fine. That's fine. Doesn't matter. God, But Buddha. I understand Jesus. That's right. We love them all. We love it's them all. It's okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're all fine. So now, I'm inclusive. You're inclusive. Okay. Very feminine. Inclusive. All right, now feel in your heart. Imagine this beautiful light coming into the room. We invoke the presence of God for you. And I want you to speak to God and just say, I want a man in my life, please. I want a man in my life, please. 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 The I'm right so, man. I'm so alone. I'm so alone. I'm so tired of having to be strong. I'm so tired of having to be strong. Feel how tired you are. It's a huge weight you carry, isn't it? I don't want to carry that weight anymore. Speak to God. I don't want to carry the weight anymore. I really don't want to carry it anymore. I'd like to have a partner. And you're afraid. Talk to God. And I'm, and I'm afraid. And I'm afraid I'll never find a partner. I'm afraid I'll never find a partner. And it looks... There you go. Good. Good. It just looks really lonely going throughout life without a partner. And if I can be here professing this in front of all these people, I really, really, really do want to get beyond this. Whatever it is, I don't know what it is. Please. It's beautiful. Please allow the man that's the right person for me to be attracted to me. And <laughs> I thank Oprah for the opportunity to. Oprah, come give her a hug. <laughs> but isn't, isn't, isn't this, now we're all crying. Uh, Dean, where's the Kleenex? Um, isn't this also what we were talking about on the last show? Yes. About some past pain. Yes. Here. This, this is, is about this is some old this stuff. This is all this her is old stuff. stuff. This old stuff here. And just, you know, <laughs> God is the ultimate therapist. We need, when we feel our pain, Amen. if we're not in counseling, we, we just open our hearts to God. We bring God in as we know, and we share our feelings with God. Amen. Amen. It takes tremendous courage and strength to open our hearts and share our feelings because we could be rejected and hurt. I know Vivian's wondering what came over her. Right. Well, she had the courage, and this is the strength that women have. And when women take that step to be vulnerable, it makes it safer for men who don't have the courage to do that. Your question. I want to know, how come we always have to beg for compliments? 
When you're dating a man, they tell you, I love you, you look beautiful, you know, it's sex, sex, sex. And then after you're married like 15 years, you're in the car and you're looking particularly lovely that night and you go, <clears throat> so how do I look tonight, dear? And he says, nice. And then after he said it, now it's like, it's not worth it because That's I right. had to beg for it. That's right. You feel like you have to beg for it. Yeah, what do I have to beg if for? Only it? the men could hear this. They don't understand it. This is just another Mars thing where men don't realize how important compliments are to women. Just as women don't realize how important appreciation for what men do is important. Like if a guy empties the trash, you go, oh, the trash got emptied. Great. And inside you're thinking, big deal. I did his laundry. So what if he tried that? Okay. Yeah. The way, the way men feel love, most important, is by when you love what a man does or what he offers you, that goes straight, straight to his heart. The way you love a woman, men, is directly to her. The way you treat her, the questions you ask her, the interest you have in her, and the compliments. Compliments are so important. Now, why does he give you compliments in the beginning? He's letting you know he finds you attractive. So what his belief is, now I'm not excusing it, I'm just explaining it, and then I'm suggesting what he can do to counteract it. But once he's giving you the, once I've told my wife, you look great in that dress, you look so lovely, the next time she wears the dress, why should I tell her again? <laughs> That's the way men think. They figure, you already know I like you in that outfit. He says, and the I love you thing. Men don't say I love you enough. The man figures, I married you. I said it then. Why do I have to say it again? You see, men are not comfortable giving compliments. Imagine the guys, the bulls, going by each other. Hey, I like those new shorts you got. <laughs> nice tennis shoes, they match. They don't do that, you know? We don't go around complimenting each other on our attire. We feel kind of awkward doing it. So suddenly I'm supposed to go, oh, honey, you look beautiful. Yes, I have to learn to do that. Whenever a woman puts any energy into getting dressed up, men, you gotta like stand at attention. Oh, look, I love the earrings. You wanna get laid tonight? Notice the earrings. Okay. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Absolutely. Honestly, without me begging for it. That's first. right. She shouldn't have to beg. Oh, I mean, I remember Bonnie used to come down the stairs kind of late, which is already a signal that I should be giving compliments because she put a lot of energy into dressing. Right. And she'd stand there on the stairs. I look at her and I go, honey, we're late. <laughs> and then the evening, she was all distant and everything. I didn't have any idea what was going on. Then later on, she finally submitted herself to, well, how do I look? And like a typical guy, I said, Fine, come on, we're late. <laughs> and that's, that's our, our vocabulary as men is fine, okay, all right. Nice. Until somebody teaches us, if you want your partner to feel loved, you've got to use juicy compliments. You look really great. You look wonderful. I love that dress on you. In my, my book, Mars, Venus on a Date, and in the other books, long lists teaching men how to compliment women. We need that instruction. Stand Otherwise, up, we don't get it. What do you want to say, Jerome? And I, go ahead. Why, once you meet a woman and she's all attractive, she, she paints her fingernails and everything, and she looks really nice, then uh, two months later, it all stops. She, she's back to wearing her blue jeans and uh, not combing her hair or... Well, you know. okay. It, it works on both sides. Men get soft. Men, men get soft. Men, men put their best foot forward. Women put their best side forward. And if we're not loved or somebody doesn't tell you, you have to keep doing that for a while to establish that this works we tend to back off. John, but, what do you want to say? I want to well, I got one other point okay. on this. Just okay. one quick. With women, women, we have to understand, men, and this is compliment, women are under so much pressure to feel good about their bodies. We live in an altered state of hypnosis. And every magazine you pick up has got one woman, her body type, and every man wants that body type. If you don't have that body type, many women just don't have that body type then suddenly they're not beautiful. And when that woman walks by, every man goes in hypnotic trance. There she is, there she is. 
Why are we hypnotized? Because those women are always in sexual poses, wearing sexual outfits. It's like what they're saying is, I want to have sex with you. Any woman with that body type is saying, I want to have sex with you. So all the guys are hypnotized to look at that. But what you don't know, women, is that when we're turned on to you, your body becomes the perfect body. And that's what you don't know. Because here's your husband totally loving you, and you're thinking, yeah, but he was looking at the other woman the other day, looking at the other woman. When he's turned on to you, you're the only woman in the world. And my favorite story about this is this woman in a lingerie store told me this story. She said there were three, four women over in their 60s buying lingerie utility underwear. And one woman was buying sexy underwear. The other women looked at her and said, how can you wear that? Another woman says, you're too old to wear that. Another woman says, you're too fat to wear that. You can't wear that. This woman understood men. She looked at him with complete confidence. and She says, you don't understand men. When you're the only naked woman in the room to that man, you're a million bucks. And that's what women have to get. When a man is turned on, sexual energy goes right up to his heart. You're the one for him. He's not comparing your body with anybody else. He's loving your body. But once he's in the hypnotic trance later with society, because we've got this media and all this stuff telling men this is the one kind of body, telling women this is the one kind of body that's beautiful, women get sucked into that and they feel like, oh, so my body's not adequate. I'm not good enough. When a man is turned on to you, remember, you have the perfect body. It's built in. Anne feels like they always end up doing what he wants to do and never what she wants to do. Anne? Hi, Oprah. Hi. Hi. Um, perfect example is over Memorial Weekend, my boyfriend came up to me. He's like, well, what are we going to do? And I would try to come up with a million different things to do, try to do a day trip or go down to a museum or a picnic or something like that and come up with a million things to do. And it would always be like, well, I don't think so. I think I'm going to do something else and go you know, to my family's house or go play golf for a, for a day or something like that. Another thing, too, is I find, you know, it's not just with what he wants to do, but you know, you come home after work and you want dinner, and it's always like, well, what are you gonna fix? You know, I have to come up with a million things, different ideas too. You know, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I have in my refrigerator. You know, and uh, it's just really hard to come up with uh, new things to do, and I feel like it's always the pressure's put on me. Right. Right. You know? Now let's just analyze what you just said. It's so common what women feel. I don't know what I want. What do I want? And this is where the romance breaks down. It actually starts in the dating process. As soon as a man gets in a monogamous relationship or exclusive relationship, or after you get married, to man, he starts feeling like, okay, now I did my work. Now she can take over. It's kind of like he's been running the race. He pulls the car over, drinks champagne, goes to sleep. And she now is like responsible for the relationship. He used to plan dates. He stopped planning dates. Why? This is one simple answer. He used to plan dates because if he didn't plan dates, somebody else would get you. But now that you're not dating anybody, he doesn't feel motivated. Nobody taught him that if you want sex, you've got to plan dates. Okay? <laughs> he needs motivation. If you want a happy woman, you've got to plan dates. If ever a woman does anything, like maybe we should spend, go out and do something, you go, oh my gosh, we should do that. You give her complete support. It's hard enough for women you know, to feel romantic, to ask for what they want. That's what you're saying. I need his help. I need his encouragement. If I say something, I need him to go, okay, let's do that. What we do is we sit down on a calendar. Right at the beginning of the year, we put little hearts on this special occasion, date nights. We got the whole thing calendared out so that she doesn't feel she has to do it all herself. Then once we have the dates, I need her help to figure out some of the things. That's helpful. We discuss things and she suggests this, suggests this, but I jump on it. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And I then implement. So the woman helps giving him the information because he doesn't know. He's, well, we did this once before. Why do we have to do it again? I'd rather just sit home and watch TV. You know, he's just kind of blasé. 
So you have to let him know what the things are. But what makes a woman feel romantic is when she experiences him taking the ball and dunking it. He's got to do it. So it's like if I'm creating a romantic evening, what I used to think is, okay, I want one of those electric fireplaces. You just push a button. That doesn't create romance. What creates romance is the guy goes outside, as if to chop down the tree, but gets the logs from the cold, carries them in. Okay, I got the logs here for you. Put the thing down and starts building the fire. See, she experiences him sweating for her. There's something about him using, I, I like the old-fashioned phrase, toiling for the woman. When the woman experiences the man doing things personally for her. See, in counseling, I counsel couples. She says, I don't feel like you do anything for me. He says, what are you talking about? I go to work. I do this. I do this. I do this. I take care of all the people. I do this. She goes, yes, you're taking care of everybody else. What about me? What did you want to say? I wanted to ask, why is it that, um, you know, it's so easy for women to nag and complain, but hard to give a man a compliment when he does something right? Okay, great question. Why is it so easy for women to nag and complain? Let me address that first. Because they don't know any other way to get you to do things. They say, well, you move that box, and you say, yeah. And that box sits there for months. <laughs> I mean, that happens, okay? It does happen. Now, so we, we have to look at our side of it. The complain thing. On Venus, they have a thing called sharing. <laughs> when we think they're complaining, most of the time, they're just sharing. Now, let me give you an example. Men, when they share their problems, they're complaining. Let's say I go to the manager of the hotel and say that they didn't have something for me. I'm complaining, right? Because I'm sharing my problem. I want you to do something about it. That's a complaint. I'm sharing my problem. I want you to do something about it. Women sometimes are just sharing their problem. And they don't want you to do anything. In fact, men misunderstand it. We think, oh, now I'm supposed to do something about it. No, what you do is you learn a new skill, which is called empathy. Oh, really? That's awful. Tell me more. I mean, what man is going to ask a woman to complain more? But the wise man does. If you get a woman to talk about this complaint, this complaint, and she's sharing, sharing this, sharing that. After a while, she runs out of negative things to say. Then she feels loving things. Women need to talk about their feelings inside. Men don't have as great a need. A man could just watch the news and forget his problems. The way a woman processes her feelings is by talking about them. Women actually have 40% more, billions more neural connectors between the feeling part of the brain and the talking part of the brain. They feel, they talk. They feel, they talk. Men, we don't have those direct connectors. We feel, we have to think, what was that I felt? <laughs> we go back over there. Yeah, that's it. Do I dare say it? No. It never gets up to speech. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, we met Rick in a past show. His ex-wife surprised him by asking for a divorce on Valentine's Day. And did you have any idea that she wasn't, she wasn't happy? No, I didn't have any idea at all. Um, I think that might have been just my lack of uh, uh, communication as far as being open to what was going on. But I was basically just doing my job, uh, taking care of my family, um, raising two girls, all of those kinds of things. So I, I, I didn't feel there were problems. And how old were your daughters when she left? Uh, 16 and 18. Generally, when the kids get to a certain age and if there's an immediate break off, it means that for years she was planning that escape. And at a certain point, women just give up. And men don't understand it. They go, oh, well, let's just talk. Let's just solve the problem. They don't realize for years women will hold in, hold in, hold in. Quite often when a man says, I want to leave, 
you can adjust his thinking. Basically, if you can solve the problem, he'll come back and work at it. But often for a woman, once she's built up resentment, 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 then she is unwilling to work on the relationship. Because she's been wanting to leave for a long, long time. Right. She's been building an argument for a long, long time. And it's sad because if she had taken the time at the early stages to seek help, go to a counselor, talk about those feelings. But she probably you... did try to talk to him. Well, well probably. One thing that she did do after this all came out is she had me read her diary so that I would understand that she was going through these things. And mm -hmm. it was actually like a year before she actually said she wanted to leave. So, but she kept a lot of that to herself though. Right, but what I was saying, Oprah, one thing, if a woman can't feel, if she doesn't feel she can communicate directly to her husband, if she holds it in, the resentment builds and the relationship has no chance. That's why we have counselors. She, even if you're not willing to go to a counselor, if she goes to a counselor and talks about her feelings, if she gets in a group with other women talking about their feelings, then she's processing it. Then she can start letting go, letting go, and seeing how she contributes to the problem. See, there's never a problem in a relationship that two people don't create. We've got to get that. But women, quite commonly, are incapable of seeing their contribution to the problem if they're in the place of resentment. I call it resentment flu. Once a woman gets to the place where she's giving, she's, she's giving and giving and giving, and he's sitting on the couch watching TV, and she's giving and giving and giving, she starts keeping score. And the score is 33 to zero. <laughs> or maybe he gets three points. Then what she does is she takes 33 minus three and creates a new score. 30 to zero. So he's a big zero. I'm living with a big zero. There's no way she can then come back to looking at how she's contributing to the problem when she's feeling so much resentment. And again and again, as psychologists, what we find is for women to work through resentment, talking is the most important therapy. Talk therapy, even if it's not with her husband. Now, what do I do occasionally if my wife's experiencing resentment flu? I, just like if somebody has the flu, what do you do? You take care of them. You go, okay, it's going to be a while before she is happy with me. <laughs> so what I do is score points with her. Now, now, sometimes a woman has resentment flu. You try to do something for her nice. She goes, I, can, I don't need that. I don't need any help. She pushes it away. You can't even, is something bothering you? No, no. And what I used to do in the beginning of the relationship, I go, oh, nothing's bothering her. Good, I'll watch TV. So I go out, watch TV. What's she thinking? She's thinking, I knew it. He didn't really care. See, if you ask a man what's wrong, and he says nothing, nothing's wrong. Or nothing's wrong that he wants to talk about and he deal with it himself. You ask a woman what's wrong, she says, oh, nothing. She's saying, but if you love me, you'll stand here and you'll draw me out. You'll ask more questions. <laughs> You've got to pull me out, right? Thank you, John. John's new book is Mars and Venus Starting Over. We appreciate you enlightening our lives. Thank you. And Vivian, thank you for your courage today. Thank you for that. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening.